Hello everyone and thank you for joining us in this fifth episode of a series we have put together focusing on how and why technology companies can successfully work with the federal government as a contractor. So far we've explored why a technology company may want to consider working with the government, how to win that work and important steps to take once the contract is awarded. Today our focus again is on technology companies and we're diving a little bit deeper into the crucial elements of the contract. Those that you should pay attention to if your company has proprietary software or intellectual property you may want to protect. So joining me today is someone who knows a great deal on this subject, my colleague Brendan Halloran. Brendan is a senior manager in Cherry Beckett's risk advisory practice and focuses on serving clients who are government contractors. Brendan has spent a number of years working with the government in the DCMA. Brendan, welcome. Thanks, Greg. Glad to be here. Great. So to kick, kick off right away, I thought we could share an example of the importance of really knowing what a company's contract with the government says and allows, uh, and really to avoid any surprises down the road. So do you have any examples of, of when a company has used its interpretation of regulations to protect its IP or data rights with the government? Yeah, Craig, it's a great question. Um, one of the recent ones that's had a lot of attention um, was actually uh, Boeing versus the uh, Air Force. And um, the background with that is that, you know, essentially as part of the contract, the government had unlimited rights to uh, some of the, you know, some of the data associated with that contract. And so there's a, you know, a very um, prescribed way of marking the associated documentation, files, and things of that nature. And Boeing actually kind of implemented their own marking legend, and it added a um, component to it that was outside of what was um, prescribed by the government in that um, it required that if a third party were going to have access to it, that either the government or Boeing itself had to um, given the um, the approval for it. And so the the customer, the government customer, the Air Force, they actually um, you know um, took exception to that because it wasn't in line with the the uh, marking guide. And um, you know, and it worked its way through the ASBCA and then finally to federal court. And so um, what was interesting about that is that the ASBCA um, found in favor of the Air Force that, you know, Boeing had, you know, asserted this additional requirement around um, these data rights um, outside of the contract. And then it went to federal court and they um, actually kind of ruled against the ASBCA's decision and found that Boeing was asserting um, this <clears throat> this prescribed um, uh, requirement um, against the third party, not the government. So it was very interesting and, and I think very telling that, you know, um, you know, as a contractor, and of course Boeing being, you know, a, a significant government contractor, um, you know, of looking for a way to not restrict, but to just put some provision around, you know, what the government um, or how loosely the government could actually provide that to a third party it was working with. So um, that I think was, you know, very impactful and um, and certainly I think, you know, um, empowers, you know, government contractors a little bit to, you know, really um, read the fine details and understand how to apply that in, in the operation of their contract. The other thing too, um, just kind of more broadly around that, is that you know I think it's important for folks to you know just kind of understand that um, you know with with te technical data and um, data rights, there's so many things that are covered. I mean, it could be drawings, it could be 
um, instruction straight through software source code. Um, there's just so many components that obviously nowadays uh, the real focus is on, um, you know, software coding um, in, in, you know, really kind of the computer um, related aspect of that. And so, you know, it really is important to, um, you know, for companies to be thinking ahead, you know, as to, um, you know, what that use could be. And, you know, if um, after the term of government contract, what's going to happen to some of those? Um, you know, whether it be software, is the government going to continue to use it? You know, is there some kind of support or maintenance that goes along with it? There's just really a lot of um, things that that companies do want to take the time to be aware of, you know, as they're entering into the contract or, you know, looking for a market for their, um, you know, for their technology. Right. Now, you're, you're really key there in terms of just being aware can be can be super helpful. So what should a contractor be mindful of when proposing or negotiating a contract, you know, with respect to protection of their IP, which is really, you know, very important to the value of the company going forward, as well as future potential commercialization of, of technology? Yeah, no, and that's a, um, you know, it's a, a good point to really be thinking about it early on and kind of following on, you know, the the, the uh, earlier thought is that, you know, um, companies really should be um, evaluating that, at, you know, right at the inception, you know, so if there's a government RFP or solicitation, they should really, um, you know, be uh, going through that um, very carefully and they have the opportunity to you know call out things um you know with their proposal that they might take exception to so if you know if they feel that the government um would have you know more extensive rights um you know to you know you know technical data um you know they can certainly try to take exception to that and get that adjusted um, right at the onset, and I think it's important to um, to do that, you know, even as early as the proposal stage, so that you know the um, there could be an amendment made, um, or that it's memorialized that you know if they are awarded the contract, <clears throat> you know they have already kind of set the the mark in the sand. Um, the other thing too is that you know it's it's not always you know a you know. Um, you get everything, you know, it's um, it could be just a uh, component or a portion of, you know, a, you know, technology or or software. So, you know, um, companies can certainly utilize that to say, you know, while the government may have um, rights to this portion of it um, of, you know, of this type, but to, you know, the part that the company had developed previously, um, you know, the, the rights are slightly different. So you can certainly kind of, you know, tailor that um, to a certain degree and not look at it as, you know, um, you know, it's a, kind of a one shot deal and the government is going to have rights to uh, to everything. And, you know, again, you know, at negotiation, really understanding what's in the contract. Um, obviously, that's an obvious point, but it does happen and there's oversights or, or inconsistencies. But, um, you know, really having um, a clear understanding of what the, you know, how you're going to track that, how you're going to document, you know, that, you know, I'll kind of use the term broadly data um so that you know the proper rights um you know are marked and, and allocated so really that due diligence throughout the process is really you know crucial um you know for for companies to make and it may may or may not be um, overly complicated but you know something as simple as you know not marking um you know a technical data package or drawing uh properly you can actually lose your your 
you know, your rights to it. So, you know, it's it can be just a documentation thing. Um, so, you know, those those really um, fine details are are key in the process for companies protecting um, what they're doing and their assets. Absolutely. Now, Brendan, there's been a lot of talk around independent research and development or IR&D. So how does that play into this discussion? Yeah, um, well, IR&D is, you know, it's been just such a, um, you know, hot topic with the, the government, um, particularly with Department of Defense, because, you know, a number of the major contractors have really significant IR&D and, and obviously it's key to the, to the DOD mission. But um, so there's a lot of oversight and attention um, and, and it's kind of a, um, a moving target in terms of what some of the requirements that um, companies may have to go through to classify something as independent um, research and development. And the key word there with the with the independent is that, you know, with, you know, IP and data rights, it really follows the funding. You know, did the government, you know, pay for this from inception um, or did they pay for only modification to it? So that really is kind of the, the trail that you have to follow to, you know, understand, you know, what, um, you know, what inherent right, you know, the government might have to it. So um, <clears throat> independent research and development gives companies the ability to get some cost reimbursement from the government through their indirect rates uh, without associating it with a uh, direct government contract. So that's really crucial and really kind of, um, you know, kind of drawing the line that, you know, there's not an inherent, you know, government, you know, right or interest to that. So, you know, um, classifying projects as, you know, IRD, tracking them as such, and again, you know, really that kind of, you know, systematic approach to knowing, you know, when did we start, you know, this particular, you know, technical pursuit, um, at what stage did perhaps, you know, it get used on a government contract. All of those things are really, um, really crucial in kind of drawing that, you know, drawing that line or kind of putting up that wall for companies to protect, you know, what they might do with that particular um, project, you know, that IRD project if it comes to fruition. So. Um, you know, again, kind of having that that cost at their own private expense versus, you know, government expenses really um, that's kind of the the lead that the government will follow if they want to try to assert some right to it. So, um, you know, there's really great benefit to, you know, IR&D. I mean, it allows companies, you know, with some potential um, you know, investment indirectly by the government to pursue um, pursue projects and you know and develop them either for um you know commercial um market whether where there might be some government interests um or for government use or both um so certainly um you know ird is just such a um you know it can be a great benefit to companies and, and if they leverage it properly um you know they can really you know um you know help their budget and bottom line by by doing it that way um, you know, the one note I'll make on, on you know, IRD is just, you know, to remind companies to really stay abreast of what the um, what the current requirements are, because there's typically going to be some, you know, documentation reporting requirements um, right at the onset of the, you know, of that project or, or even before, um, as well as some reporting, you know, um, on an annual basis, you know, as to their progress. So, you know, by doing some of the, 
you know, I'll say paperwork, but but doing some of the the reporting on that, it can really um, you know help you defend you know the your position that it was an independent project, um, and then also justify if you want to get the some of the costs reimbursed. Great, thanks so much, Brendan. So super insight on, on these topics, and feels like we've just touched the, the you know the top of them, and I think each of them yeah. we could speak a lot longer. So you know, while we understand. You know the government isn't out there to intentionally take you know contractors ip i think being at least aware and dealing with some contractual issues on the front end um and being aware of rights that one is locking into can help ensure a good outcome for for both parties so you know to that end we at cherry beckett are here and ready and able to help navigating those um you know contractors are awarded as you as you're bidding on that work so we're certainly happy to to help so brendan thank you again for your time and if folks want to contact you directly please email brendan at brendan.halloran at cbh.com thanks everyone